What up, guys? Your boy Quake back with a brand new episode of the Diverse Mentality Podcast, number 266, powered by the one and only Golden Eagle Energy Drink. Make sure you get yourself a pack of that amazing energy drink they sponsored all season four of the podcast. So shout out to them. They're big supporters. So support them. You support them. You're supporting me. So go to drinkgoldeneagle.com forward slash DMP and support them, please. Thank you so much. And I want to talk about going live for the podcast that we had planned. Um, I'm still having issues with the live streaming. Uh, I still don't understand where I'm where where things are going wrong, but I'll figure out by by the time I have the date set. So the date for you guys is March 8th. And the time I will be going live will be 8 p.m. Eastern. Okay? 8 p.m. Eastern. So at that time, on that date, if you want to get on live, I'll be going live. And we will be on the YouTube channel, by the way. Uh, the Diverse Mentality Podcast YouTube channel. Not on the main YouTube channel. I want to go live on the podcast channel just because I want to grow it you know, there and not confuse people between the main channel and the podcast channel. So I will be going live on there. We'll see what kind of audience I'll get on there because it has a lot less subscribers. So we're going to see, you know, how that's going to work. But uh, I've come up with the with the perfect debate question to ask, or at least what I think is one of the best best debate questions. So I've been listening to Kanye West's uh, 808s and Heartbreaks. And that album, first off, it's fucking amazing. I think it's one of the best albums that Kanye's released, if not the best. Uh, I, I kind of sometimes go back and forth to graduation and that, but uh, around that time, 2007, 2008, that was like Kanye's peak. He might have even the best three album run in history, probably, uh, from Kanye's graduation to 808s to My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. Those three uh, might be one of the best three album runs in music, period. Um, we don't know. That's a whole different discussion, debate. But I've been bumping that album and... You know, I, I was, you know, thinking about the album and I was like, wow, Kanye was in a point in his life where uh, just everything went, you know, he was at the top by beating 50. At the time, 50 was the most dominant uh, hip hop artist, sold the most during that time frame that he was active, uh, you know, the from 2003 till what, 2007, he was the best selling hip hop artist, period. There was nobody that was even coming close to him. Uh, both albums going diamond. And then, you know, you got the third album going triple platinum. So he was doing numbers regardless. And everybody around his label is doing numbers. So at that moment, 50 was the dominant number one thing. Kanye then comes in, beats him. And now all eyes are on Kanye. Kanye's on top of the world. Happy as hell he beat him. He's number one. And he's scheduling to release his next album, Good Ass Job, uh, as the follow-up to graduation. Unfortunately, though, Roughly a month after beating 50 in October of 2007, his mother passes away due to a surgery that she had planned. Um, that, of course, you know, losing your mother is something next level that's going to affect you. That happens. Then, a couple months later, his fiance that he was engaged to and was with since 2002, I believe. I don't remember the exact year, 2001-2002. Um, she then, you know, breaks things off with him as well. So now you got, you know, the only woman in your life that knows you the best passes away. Uh, and then the woman that's supposed to be the next one that's supposed to know you the best, be your next uh, partner in this thing called life, uh, doesn't want anything to do with you. So that culmination, like those, that culmination of things, um, you know, can, can change somebody completely and it can, you know, cause 
heartbreak. And that's exactly then it changed from good ass job as the album title to 808s and heartbreak. And at this moment, Kanye <clears throat> used the T, I believe it's TR 808 system to introduce 808s to hip hop and use it as a way to blend hip hop and singing into one with autotune. Uh, this is something that, you know, the blending, the rapping and singing, you know, people dibbled and dabbled with it, including T-Pain with the rapper turned singer. That's actually where Kanye basically says he got his inspiration from. You know, and then Ja Rule dabbled with it. Chameleon Air dabbled with it. There's a few artists, you know, before Kanye that dabbled with rapping and singing um, here and there. But they weren't like full on with it. Kanye decided just to go full on, have an album that's rapping and singing, blended into, and, you know, you couldn't tell the difference between what of what, what was what. And introducing the 808s in production as well is something that wasn't done. And then next thing you know, that's the that defines the next generation of hip-hop, basically. Uh, after that, everybody's using 808s produced. Everybody's using auto-tune singing, rapping, and mixing them into one. Um, with all with everything that I'm saying right now, the reason why I'm mentioning all this is because the question in my mind was, what album was more influential? 50 Cent's Get Rich or Die Trying or Kanye West's 808s and Heartbreaks? And I just threw this question up on Twitter because I was just curious to see how people would respond. Granted, I do have a more 50 Cent biased fan base that, you know, um, you know, listen and watch me, but I do have, you know, other fans that, that are fans of other artists that watch and listen to me too. So initially it started with just 50 Cent, 50 Cent, 50 Cent, but then people started putting in comments saying Kanye, Kanye, Kanye. So it was a good balance of responses. You know, I got a bunch of Kanye's, I got a bunch of 50s responses. So um, that's going to be the question. When I go live on May 8th, April, May 8th, sorry, not April, May 8th, not May, what am I talking about? March 8th, sorry guys, if I said May 8th earlier, I don't know what's going on in my brain right now today. I have so much stuff going on at once, the things are just flying. March 8th, on a Friday, 8 p.m. Eastern, I will go live, uh, we will talk about, I'm probably going to do, I don't know how I'm going to do the show, I'll probably add some news topics just for fun, just to discuss, but I want to have that discussion. Uh, whose album is more influential? 50 Cent's Get Richard I Trying or Kanye West's 808s and Heartbreaks. And then you can make the argument for 50 that, uh, you know, the whole mixtape thing that he did, that's what led up to Get Rich. And that's what people saw as successful and then started copying that blueprint and formula. So that's one of the arguments you can make for Get Rich. You could also make the argument that, you know, a lot of drill and hip hop that came from, you know, all the drill music that we hear got inspired by 50. Um, but at in that drill thing, you can also say the production side got inspired by Kanye because there's still 808s in the production in that. So um, it's a great question, you know, and where I lean, I've kind of gone back and forth. There's moments where I said 808s and there's moments where I say get rich. Um, but I'm not going to, what I'm going to do when I go live, I think what I want to do, I might change my mind on this. I don't know yet because I haven't figured it out 100%. But what I want to do is basically play devil's advocate. So if somebody calls in and says, I think 808s is the more influential, I will jump on the other side and say 50s get rich. And if somebody calls on and says get rich, I'll jump on the other side and say 808s. Just for debate purposes. Because if we just agree, 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 or or maybe I'll just voice whatever I feel at that moment, that opinion that I have at that moment. I think either that, you know, or just go back and forth with people and just be, play devil's advocate. Because I'm really torn with this question. Like, I'm pretty much in the middle. I think it's pretty evened out. And I don't really have questions like that where I'm like, in the middle, I usually have a side I take and that's what I feel. But for this one, I don't know. It's just very, it's, it's a very tough, I don't think it's, it's clear cut. I think anybody that's thinking it's clear cut doesn't know music 
and that's no disrespect to anybody that anybody that thinks it's a clear cut answer and it's an easy answer does not know music because it's easy to see the influence Kanye had with 808s like easy everybody right now is basically 808s singing rapping you know and I remember when Kanye dropped the album everybody was giving him shit flack saying this is a horrible why do and here's the props you got to give to Kanye right huge props he did this at the best moment possible with the most courage possible when it comes to artistic. When I'm speaking of courage artistically, right? You know, I encourage artists to do, I love when artists jump out their box and try something completely new. Some of them execute it perfectly. Some of them don't execute it perfectly. And Kanye at that moment, a lot of people thought, it was a bad album, but as years went on, and that's the thing, when you jump out the box and you're pushing the envelope for the sound of a genre, most people aren't going to agree with it. They're not going to like it. Um, that's just that's just the reality because you're so far ahead that by the time people realize it's great, they're going to finally catch up and you're going to be on to the next thing. And that's what Kanye's 808s was. It was so far ahead of everything, so futuristic ahead of time in terms of music that most people didn't like it when it got released. And that's... You know, you could say kind of with Drake's Honestly Nevermind album. I don't know. I don't like it when it came out, but who knows? This might be the next, this might be the thing that influences other artists five, ten years from now to do dance hall and house music type stuff. Um, I don't know. I'm not saying that Drake's the dance hall, house music god of that type of genre of music, but no, I'm just saying like his influence is how big he is to do that type of sound. To me, it wasn't executed properly, but... You know, who knows? I'm just maybe speaking it right now. Maybe in the future, I'll be like, damn, this was a perfect album that I just couldn't, I didn't understand the, the future, the the head, how ahead he was with the stuff. So that's the thing you got to give Kanye props for. The fact that everybody had their eyes on Kanye after beating 50, because you just beat the best-selling hip-hop artist for the last four years. You beat him. Now, everybody's got their eyes on you. And you didn't beat, you didn't just like slightly beat him. You whooped his ass with 300,000 plus copies over, you know, so... Um, all eyes were on Kanye. He could have just stick to the original sound, stick to the same formula. Instead, he completely jumped out the box and did something different, which takes a lot of courage. And it's, it was the right time to do it, especially when all eyes were on Kanye at the time. Um, but yeah, I just, I, I want to ask that question. What's the most influential, um, what's the more influential album? Kanye's 808s and Heartbreaks or 50 Cent's Gibbers Should I Try? Um, I kind of look at 808s and Heartbreaks as, the modern generation's chronic from Dr. Dre. Cause when Dr. Dre dropped chronic and he was using his sound, uh, that influenced them the next, you know, 10, 15 years of hip hop. So that's basically how I view 808s and heartbreaks in terms of like changing sound and music. But that's the question I have. So the reason why I mention is because it's going to give you guys a lot of time to think about this. So I'm not just hitting you guys randomly with a question. And then, so take your time, think about it, go bump both albums. I'm not talking about album quality, I'm not saying, hey, which album is better to me? Give it to that try. Obviously, it's clearly the better album. I'm just saying influence. You know, take your opinion out of the, like, your opinion out of the music. Don't just judge the music. Just judge the impact of the albums. You know, don't don't look at sales, too. I know Give It to Try and outsold 808s by a huge margin. That's not the discussion here. We're just talking who got influenced by these albums. What's going on from these albums? What, what, what birthed from these albums? That's basically the question. It's not about who sold more. It's not about what music's better. None of that. Um, so, yeah, think about it. March 8th, 
Friday, 8 p.m. Eastern. I will go live. I will have that question. And I'm open to take any calls. I'll have the, the call thing on the screen. As long as people are respectful, mind you, I'm not going to, if you, if you, we're going to have a civil debate because when you're going live, sometimes you're going to have people that troll, talk shit, whatever. Civil debate. If you speak over me or I speak over you, this is not going to work. It's that simple. I will not tolerate any of that stuff. I don't care if you've been watching me your whole life and you support me and everything. We got to be civil people here, respectful, and just have great conversations about hip hop. I think it'll be cool. I think it'll be, it'll start a new trend, hopefully, in the YouTube world where maybe people can go live and discuss hip hop with people. I think that'll be really cool. Uh, I don't know if that's a, nobody's really doing that right now. Uh, I know there are YouTubers that go live in the hip hop world, but like have people call in kind of like a radio show damn near and debate. That'll be pretty cool, man. So uh, that's it for that. Sorry for going on this crazy, crazy rant um, about this stuff, but I just want to let you guys know that's going to be the question. What's the more influential album? Kanye's 808s and Heartbreak or 50 Cent's Give or Die Trying March 8th, 8 p.m. Eastern. I'll remind you guys every single episode leading up to then. So uh, yeah, look up, look up the albums, go do your research, Googles and all that. And you guys got literally two weeks to prepare to, to debate me. So Let's get into it. Uh, news. Kodak Black. Man, I don't know what's gotten into him. I don't know what's going on with him. I hope he gets the help uh, because this is not looking good for him. Uh, Kodak Black threw rocks at a photographer and threatened to punch a reporter shortly after his release from jail. Come on, man. That's not the way to act when you first get released. Uh, the Florida rapper walked out, on, out of Broward, Broward County Jail on Wednesday, February 21st and almost immediately got into confrontation with the press. In a video captured by WPLG Local 10, Yak can be seen hurling rocks at a broadcaster's photographer while rambling incoherently. He also threatened to assault a reporter as he left the jail. The reporter for Local 10 confirmed that the police report had been filed against the rapper for his actions outside the jail as the rocks injured the camera operator. Uh, Kodak Black has been in jail since December after he was arrested for oxycodone possession evidence tampering, and being improperly parked. The drug possession charge was dismissed after prosecutors could not determine whether Kodak had a prescription for oxycodone as he had previously claimed. Uh, the 26-year-old eventually pleaded guilty to probation violation and was released uh, on time served. Uh, his lawyer then responded to all the, the, the reports coming out, and this is what uh, Kodak Black's attorney uh, he's been criticizing the media coverage around the rapper following his release from jail. Um, uh, Kodak, who appeared to get himself into trouble immediately after exiting jail after getting into conversation with local media, has found a defender in his attorney, Bradford Cohen. Uh, Cohen slammed the mainstream media on Instagram for focusing on negative stories about the rapper, not positive ones, such as him donating money to the families of a slain police officer. That is very true. Even though he's his lawyer, he's getting paid to, uh, you know, help, you know, make Kodak Black look really good. That is true. And I remember talking about that on the podcast, like only the negative things would get coverage. And that happens just in general. Uh, you know, if, if somebody were to slap, if a rapper were to slap somebody, Will Smith slapping uh, Chris Rock or whatever, uh, that got way more coverage than if Will Smith the next day decided to donate, I don't know, $100 million to starving you know people around the world i don't know that would not get as much coverage as him slapping chris rock that's just the reality situation and it's unfortunate um and i remember talking about that on here uh this is what the lawyer had to say so let me he's got two posts here i uh, he said this i'm sure the mainstream media won't carry it uh tmz tv will probably only run something negative 
But we know how Kodak Black moves and what he's been doing since day one. It's a shame when people only want negativity on someone. In a separate post, Cohen wrote, uh, in typical Kodak fashion, he just pledged to donate to the college fund of a two-year-old and a five-month-old whose father was a Minnesota officer killed recently in the line of duty, expecting his second son this Friday. He knows how important family is and hopes it helps relieve some burden. So, yeah. I mean, his lawyer's job is to, you know, make him look as good as possible. But, I mean, that's it's on Kodak as well, man. Don't, you know, the, the news would, wouldn't report this type of stuff if you didn't do it. You know, nobody's reporting on, I don't know, uh, Birdman rubbing his hands together and starting a fire and slapping somebody. I don't know. Like, come on, guys. You know, you could only report on things that actually happen. Now, in the future, with this AI shit that's going on, it's going to be very scary out here. But because uh, now you, they're already having AI video being able to make high quality, you know, content that it would take like people millions and millions of dollars to finally complete. Uh, they're probably going to be able to make movies just off of typing what you want from the AI machine, which is crazy. But uh, right now, you know, despite all this, don't give them, you know, more stuff to talk about Kodak. Stay focused on your path. Do better. You know, you're 26. There's no excuse anymore. You're not young, 18, 19 year old. That was messing up. You're not 20, 21. 26 with children at this point man get your shit together you know your frontal cortex is developed at this age i believe 26 27 somewhere around there no more excuses man especially when you when you when you hit your 30s i don't want to hear shit about anything at that point you are who you are uh if you're somebody who likes to get in trouble and get locked up that's just who you are as a person the chances of you changing is very slim at that point in your 20s you're 26 so you still got a little bit of leeway but at the end of the day you know, you have children, you have a family, you're older now, and uh, I was about to say old, but he's not. You're older now, and, you know, you're famous. You're somebody that people look up to. So act more accordingly, man. Come on. You just got out. You know, act more professional. Jimmy Iovine, some reports. This is an update because we reported on this while Diddy was going through his uh, sexual assault lawsuits. Turns out Jimmy Iovine's has been dropped. No surprise there. I kind of seen this kind of coming but let's go over the article jimmy ivine has one less lawsuit to worry about as a sexual assault accuser has just dropped her case against him according to rolling stone the anonymous woman's attorney released a release statement stating that the matter has been satisfied to his client's satisfaction meaning jimmy ivine cut a check to her uh that's basically if you're settling something that's basically what's going on uh, the matter was resolved to the satisfaction of the parties Roger Widger said in a statement to the outlet on Tuesday, February 20th, while pointing out that the discon discontinuance had been filed with the court on February 15th. The discontinuance filed on 15th has been filed with prejudice, meaning that the matter can never again be brought before the court. Yeah, this was filed back on November 22nd. Um, this is right when, you know, Diddy's going through his stuff in New York. So... She alleged she was sexually abused, forcefully touched, and subjected to sexual harassment and retaliation in August 2007. So, apparently, Jimmy Iovine cut the check, and it's done. It's settled. So, I don't know if he did it or not. Who knows at this point? Or the woman just want money? Uh, personally, if I didn't do something, I'm never paying the person. I don't care. I'm fighting it because my name needs to be cleared. I will fight it. Spending all my money on lawyers, I don't give two fucks. I'm that type of person where... I just cannot let somebody lie on my name and then just give the money and settle it. They just basically robbed me. That's what they did. I'd much rather 
lose more money fighting it to protect my name so my name is clearer than just settle something because that makes me look like I'm guilty. And I always go back to the Michael Jackson thing. Had Michael Jackson not settled the first case, you know, he would have not got accused of a lot more things. At that time, his lawyer, I think, advised him to settle it. Um, it wasn't Michael Jackson that wanted to settle it. I think Michael Jackson did want to settle it, but his lawyer was like, settle it, settle it. And then, you know, Michael was like, all right, I'll settle it. And uh, Michael was, didn't want to deal with the stress of it and stuff like that. So I've talked about it before. But, uh, you know, I would never settle these things. But, you know, it's done. Apparently, it's, it's close too. So there's no, um, it's filed with prejudice, I guess. That's the term. So there's no, no more of this ever coming up again. Another episode, another update on more sexual assault lawsuits. I know you guys are probably tired of hearing this because there are so many lawsuits filed over the course of like three, four months and just over the course of having this podcast that I always got to keep you guys updated on what happened. We just talked about Jimmy Iovine. That's closed. It's done for Trey Songs. Uh, his 2015 sexual assault loot lawsuit has been dropped. So let's go over the article. Trey Songs is in the clear for now in a lawsuit stemming from a 2015 incident where two women alleged that he sexually assaulted them at a party. According to court documents obtained by Radar Online on Friday, February 23rd, the alleged victim's lawyer said he was dropping the complaint without prejudice, which means it could be refiled in the future if they choose to. A reason for the dismissal has not been made clear. Interesting. As previously reported, the pair of the un unnamed women sued Trey Songs in October of 2023, accusing him of forcing himself onto them to have non-consensual sex at a Los Angeles party in 2015. Per the documents, the woman met Trey in June of that year while attending one of his concerts where they were invited to an after party he was hosting. They say they established a report with Trey Songs uh, and were invited to his birthday party at his house later that summer in August. Uh, the woman claimed they were forced to give up their phones when entering the party. They believed they were drugged as they felt very drunk despite only drinking a modest amount. They claimed to have passed out in an upstairs bedroom only to wake up naked with Trey performing oral sex on one of and fingering, you know, the other. Uh, songs allegedly then demanded that they all shower together, but when the girls refused, he became enraged and kicked them out the next morning. Uh, Trey Song's attorney, Michael Friedman, denied the allegations. He said, this is yet another example of nearly decade-old allegations being repurposed to take advantage of California's constitutionally questionable new look-back window, he told TMZ. So the, the, the lawsuit has been dropped, but there's no official reason. Did they come to a settlement? Did uh, the woman just, I don't know, lie? Who knows, man? Did the woman feel guilty? Maybe she lied, and she that's why she's suing. Maybe, you know, like I said, Trey Song potentially settled with her, paid her, Um we have no idea. There's multiple, multiple reasons that this could have happened. And, uh, but they're not doing it with prejudice. Like, uh, you know, the Jimmy Iovine thing, it's with prejudice, meaning it's done, it's finished. They can't reopen this. Uh, with, with Trey Songs, it's not with prejudice. So this can be reopened at any given moment. I actually had a lawsuit where I sued somebody uh, and he wanted it with prejudice and I had to agree with it. Uh, this was when I paid this guy to develop a music app for me. This is when I was working on a music app. And, uh, you know, he took all my money, barely developed anything, and ended up, you know, uh, suing him, sending papers, court documents, saying this, this, and this. He said, listen, I'll give you everything I finished. We settle that. Boom. And there you go. I didn't really get a good deal out of it because he just gave me the files that he did, which wasn't much. Um and I didn't get my money back. And this is when I was like really, really broke. 
I was not nowhere near making anything what I was paying him. Like I was paying him way, like way over, way over everything. And I was living like, like a bum basically. And this is way before YouTube is when I was doing my hip hop website. And I actually saw this app was, and there's still stuff on this app that I think would still do really well. But I just don't have the time and resources to to do it anymore. I think I'm, I'm going to scrap it at the end of the day because this app, like, it was going to be something for music that I could still potentially do in the future. But we'll see how AI and all this stuff comes, you know, and it works. Um, but, you know, it was an app that, that, that changed the way we consume music. And I think there's still elements of it that Spotify, Apple Music, and every other platform that's out there hasn't really utilized. So it's going to be interesting. I'm going to see in the future what I'm going to do. But... You know, I had a lawsuit like that where, um, you know, he wanted it with prejudice. And I was like, what the fuck is prejudice? I was like, how old was I at the time? It was 2000, I think it was 2016. So I was 21, 21 at the time. So, yeah, these lawsuits things can be a pain in the ass, man. They're going through them. So, speaking of lawsuit, another one. And this is mainly dealing with uh, shares of companies. And it's Jay-Z and Dame Dash. Unfortunately, these two, uh, you know, built something special, but are, you know, going back and forth in court over Rockefeller and who owns what, what shares of this, what shares of that. Let's go over the article. Jay-Z and Dame Dash haven't seen eye to eye in quite some time, but Hove has interjected himself into his former business business partner's current legal matters. According to documents obtained by Radar Online on Friday, February 16th, a judge ordered Dame to sell his shares of Rockefeller Records after he allegedly refused to pay a $823,000 judgment to movie producer Josh Weber that stemmed from a 2016 film, Dear Frank. Both Jay and Kareem Biggs Burke objected to Dame having to sell his shares in an auction on the basis that company bylaws mandate that the board of directors must first approve the sell-off. However, U.S. Magistrate Robert W. Lerberger ruled that the former execs one-third ownership of Rockefeller can, in fact, be seized to help cover the judgment since it is his personal property. In his 15-page decision, Lerberger blasted Jay and Biggs for creating no sell-off clause during a 2021 board meeting that Dame did not attend or vote for. Uh, he ordered Rockefeller to deliver uh, Dame's stock certificate to the U.S. Marshal Service for an auction in 180 days. Jay and Biggs' main objection is less about siding with Dame, however, and stems from concerns that an outsider can purchase the intellectual rights of Rockefeller. To address the issue, Litterberger said they can participate in the auction and place the winning bid. Um, so Jay-Z and uh, Biggs can can essentially buy Dame Dash's uh, portion, which is a good... good uh, good battle in terms like good response in terms of Jay and Biggs saying we don't want some random guy you know owning one third of Rockefeller and making decisions about the label when he's never been a part of it they can just buy it you know and Jay-Z's a billionaire he can afford to buy whatever the fuck that's worth um I think it was worth like 1.5 million last I checked so um unfortunate man unfortunate uh continue on with Dave Dash while he's dealing with that he's facing a lawsuit so Dame Dash is you know, he, he 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 has a lot going on for himself and he can make he knows how to make money, but he's also facing a lot of lawsuits, a lot of issues with people when it comes to business, unfortunately. So let's go over this article. Dame Dash has just found out he's facing a whole new round of legal drama according to documents obtained by Hip Hop DX. 
The documents were filed on Thursday, February 22nd by Christopher Brown on behalf of photographer Monique Bunn. Brown is requesting that the courts reopen Bunn's case of damages against the embattled Rockefeller executive, claiming that the that the jury in the previous case didn't fully understand the nature of the damages Bunn had incurred as a result of Dash's alleged actions. According to the 285-page memorandum memorandum of law, uh, Dame Dash confirmed the value of, of the photographies he allegedly withheld from Bunn and knew that he didn't properly compensate her for using the photographs the way he'd done. That is outside of the scope of promotional purposes. For this reason, Bunn argued the case needs to be reopened. Let's go over uh, the evidence at trial, which was uncontroverted, established that each photo is worth fifteen hundred, which should have resulted in a verdict for at least three hundred eighty-four thousand seven hundred fifty. Whoa, 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 whoa! Hold up, hold up. The evidence at trial, which was uncontroverted, established that each photo is worth fifteen hundred which should have resulted in a verdict for at least 384750000 What? Bunn wrote in his memorandum of law, it is well known that the professional photographers earn, earn much on their income through their licensing uh, portfolio of photographs. Uh, and defendants' actions destroyed Ms. Bunn's economic prospects. The jury ignored the valuation evidence and awarded zero to Ms. Bunn's. Ms. Bunn. With two ends. Uh, he continued, it is impossible to conceive how a jury can conclude that a professional photographer's portfolio of thousands of photos as well as photography equipment could be worth zero, especially when plaintiffs and the defendants both testify that the damage are in millions. A new trial is warranted under these circumstances. This is, yeah, first, they're requesting way too much. I get it. There's a lot of photos there and, you know, she could license them, the Dame Dash photos or whatever photos that she has. She could license them for her to make money. But I don't give a fuck how many photos you got. You could have photos of Michael Jackson, Prince, the rarest photos of them all. To somehow convince a jury that those photos in total with licensing is worth $384,750,000. You know how much? That's why I had to reread it because I just didn't understand. I thought it was 384000 this shit says $384,750,000. I don't give a fuck what kind of photos you got. Unless you got photos of some secret evil shit with proof that it's real. Like, I don't know. Jay-Z and R. Kelly doing something on an island. <laughs> something like something, something crazy, right? Something insane, right? Something that you, you can't imagine. Or a photo of an alien and it's proof that you saw this. I don't know. Something crazy. Then maybe... Maybe you can come up with some kind of money. But $384 million, that's why they, the jury was like, nah, none of this shit's worth none of that. They said zero, which I disagree with, obviously. That's why they're doing a retrial because, you know, it costs money to take those photos. It costs time, you know, licensing. You got to factor in all that stuff. So it's not zero. I think if she was awarded a million, two million, that, that makes sense, depending on how many photos there are, depending on, you know, what could be licensed, depending on all the work she did. Yeah. Hell, push to five million. But 300, damn near $400 million, you lady, you've lost your damn marbles. And whoever is the lawyer here, I don't know all the details, just based off what I'm reading, that is utterly ridiculous. They, nobody's going to pay $400 million for some fucking photos that in a lawsuit. Nah, that's why they didn't, they didn't, the jury was like, get the fuck out of here with this shit. Like, I get it. You're trying to become rich off of this. Yes. But do it. Like, I don't understand. When people sue 
Like, why are you going for literally everything? Unless you have solid, 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 like, case. Like, I'm talking everything is, is perfect. P's and Q's, everything. Everything is perfect. Then you can ask for a certain amount. But even then, you have to be smart about how much you ask in these lawsuits. Because when you over-ask, the jury's going to look into it and be like, is, what the fuck are you thinking? And they're not going to side with you on this situation. She should have asked for like two, three, five million. Let's just say she got three million, right? Probably five hundred thousand, maybe, maybe seven hundred fifty, maybe even a million. Go to lawyers and all this court fees and stuff. Okay, you're down to two million. Taxes come in, they take about eight hundred thousand. You're down to one point two million. You now have one point two million dollars you never had before. You could take that money and invest to do all kinds of things and flip your business and get more photographers and all kinds of shit, man. Do not, this is what I'm saying. People get too damn greedy in these lawsuits. Ask for what you think is common sense, what's going to make sense. You don't just ask for $400 million and be like, fuck it, I'm going to get it because I have all this proof and evidence. Hell no, man. I, that's, that's ridiculous. And if Dame lost that, Whatever Dame says about the music industry, I would believe at that point. They're just trying to get that man up out of here, man, because at that point, it's like, it's got to be a conspiracy theory because that shit makes no sense. What the fuck? That's why I had to reread it. I was confused. I was like, am I seeing the right numbers here? Wild, man. Uh, we'll keep our update on this and see if the lady actually comes to her common sense and brings the value down. Uh, French Montana, Frenchie, Frenchie Vanilla, Frenchie dropped a new album, Mac and Doodoo uh, 5 or whatever it's called. I don't even remember Mac and Mac and Cheese or something like that. A weird, weird garbage album title. But, you know, Frenchie's ass cheeks, so I don't expect much from him. Uh, French Montana has revealed that he stopped his plans to buy the buck. Buy back the block. Remember that William Roberts song with uh, Two Chains and Gucci Mane? It's called Buy Back the Block. Shout out to William Roberts, man. He makes some good music here and there. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lie to y'all, man. Um, he revealed that he stopped his plans to buy back the block when Nipsey Hussle was murdered. So this actually was a discussion when Nipsey passed away. Should you be going back to your neighborhood and helping people? Which is a weird discussion, but let's get into it. So he appeared on the Breakfast Club and he talked about it. So let's play the clip. You, you, you also on Dirty Bronx, you talk about buying your block, but you said that Nipsey, the Nipsey situation made you, made you pause. Yeah. Can, can you elaborate on that? Um, I mean, I feel like watching that video with Nip was like one of the most disgusting things I've ever seen in my life. Mm -hmm. And I feel like he would, and, 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 and all he was trying to do was just try to change his neighborhood and just bring some, some, some great things back and try to buy his block. Mm -hmm. And I feel like watching that scared me away from trying to do the same thing. Mm -hmm. And, and, and you know, because look what happened to Chinks. Chinks got shot in Queens, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Look what happened, you know, to a lot of people that don't have a name, you know what I'm saying? A lot of fallen soldiers. So I was just like, you know what? So why come back? Why come back and do that when I'm just seeing everybody around me just fall into it? Damn. So how, how did you overcome that? Or have you overcome that? Shit, I went to Calabasas. But I'm still, but, but, but I still come back. But it just, you know, at the end of the day, it's just, you know, it always come. You know, it always come from the inside. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So you just gotta be careful how you, you know, how you let people get, you know, get in contact with you, or touch you. You can't be just easily touched, or easily get in contact with, easily so anybody could pull up on you to do anything mm -hmm. to you. You know what I'm saying? You gotta be able to be like a hawk on top of the mountain, just watch your prey. Whenever you want something, you just go handle your business mm -hmm. and dip. I feel like that's like that's like that's like 
advice for anybody that, that's making real money that got a lot of jealousy that come from yeah. where we come mm-hmm. from. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Should, it should never be a situation where somebody can go to the <clears throat> to the block and see you at a store or this and that. When you, you know, some people, what Jay Z said, broken niggas don't want no cash. They, they just want to kill, kill you. you. What a mm-hmm. name. French Montana has a great point and be like a hawk. You know, watch how you move. You know, get what you need to get and get out. You know, uh, that's 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 actually very great advice. And anybody with money and any type of notoriety needs to move like that. Uh, now that I bought my car, the R8, you know, I don't drive it often. I don't drive it at night in areas where I'm not supposed to be at. Uh, I, you know, I move. I'm always very cautious when I'm moving around. I'm very aware of my surroundings a lot to the point where it's damn near paranoid. Like, so I, I understand that. But to not give back and to not want to go buy back your block and just help uh, because of that incident is, I think, stupid because... If you look at all the incidents, even French Montana mentioning chinks, this is incidents where they got too comfortable. Well, first, I want to fact check French Montana out of respect of Nipsey because, you know, I got too much respect for Nipsey to, you know, Charlemagne should have checked him on this, but I don't think French knows. French said he attempted to buy back. No, no, he bought back the block. He owned that section. He bought it. That's his. It wasn't no attempt to do it. He bought it, so I wanted to fact check him on that before I go on. When you're in these type of areas, right, when these artists are in these type of areas, like French was talking about, sometimes it can come from the inside, somebody that you know, somebody that you trust. So watch, you know, who can get in contact with you. Get in where you got to get in and leave. Don't hang around. Don't chill. Don't take photos with fans. Don't. I understand you can take a couple photos here and there move. Nipsey, unfortunately... That day, no security, went there, regular t-shirt, red shorts, took photos with fans. There was literally a photo of a little girl, took a photo with him like minutes before he died. Uh, yeah, I mean, that Nipsey thing just depresses me. I need to stop. I just get very, very emotional when it comes to that. Just such a sad situation, man. Um, but he, he, he just moved very light that day, and he felt like he was comfortable that day. And he, he's always known that area. That's, that's the problem is you get too comfortable in areas that you grew up in. And, you know, if I reach a certain level and I go back to where, you know, I was living at in Iowa for 16 years. I remember going back in 2019 with my uh, red Audi RS5 brand new. This is a $100,000 car. I drove it over there because I just like driving car. I don't, like my RA, I've been driving. I've been adding miles. I don't sit here and be like, oh my God, I got to protect my car. I can't. I like to drive. I don't care. I, you're going to live. You could die the next day. So it doesn't matter. Um, so I took the car up there just to, because I want to visit my friends I haven't seen in ages. Because the last time I went to Iowa at the time was 2016. So it was about two, two and a half years, three years. So I decided to take the car up there. went with my friend. And I just could feel, not from everybody that I, you know, that I saw again, but I could feel from about 60% of the people, just energy. People were jealous. People were giving me these vibes like, like, well, who the fuck do you think you are pulling up in this type of car? Are you trying to show off? You trying? When I wasn't, I genuinely, I don't give two fucks about materialistic things. I just liked my car. I wanted to drive my car. That's it. I had nothing about showing off. Um, and if it ended up inspiring some people, cool. Whatever the case may be, I just wanted to go with there. I could have rented a car as well, but I saved money. Why not just drive it up there? It's not a big deal. Um, and I could feel that energy from people. Now, mind you, five years from now, I start doing big documentaries. I'm all these celebrities. I'm making millions, and it's publicly noted. Forbes, let's just say, says, Quake, 
made $12 million, you know, blah, 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 whatever the case may be. And I go back to Iowa and I'm over here in communities giving back and doing whatever these things. A lot of people that grew up with me at the area, they can end up having resentment and just do something. So that's what you got to be very, even when I was going back to Iowa and I was feeling that energy, I was very, very selective. And I never been back to Iowa since because when I came back, my car, you know, because of the negative energy, I don't know if you guys believe in evil eye. It's a thing called evil eye where somebody is super jealous of you and they, they, they project this negative energy towards you and then something bad happens to you. Um, that's basically what I felt happened to my car and then ended up with almost $30,000 in damages coming back from uh, Iowa to Georgia, back to Georgia. And, you know, ended up my whole car basically got destroyed. Uh, I had to get the white one, the white RS5, trade it in, get rid of it. And, uh, yeah, so that happened because of the energy. I felt it. I just could tell. I was like, man, I hope nothing bad happens, but I could just feel it. And then, boom, that happened. So, you know, at that level, you have to move no matter what, man, as much as you know the area. Like right now, I go to Iowa. I know everything in that area in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. I know every place. I know a lot of people there. I move. And it makes me feel like I'm the king over there because I just understand it. Because when you're living in Atlanta versus Iowa, it's two totally different things. Atlanta is way bigger, a lot more people, don't know everybody, a lot more aggressive, a lot more just big city vibes. Over there, a lot, lot chiller, a lot calmer. I feel like I run the roads. You know, like, for example, here we drive 45 miles per hour on average. Over there, it's like 20, 25. So just transitioning to going over there, you feel like, what the fuck? Like, it's such a slow pace, and it feels very small and slow. But I know the whole area. I go everywhere I was going there. I just knew everybody, knew everything. It just felt, like, comfortable moving like that. But you never know. You know, somebody could have been like, yo, fuck this guy and just do something. And I did nothing to anybody. So it's like... That's what I mean. You just got to watch how you're moving, especially at that level. Even if you're not at that level, man, just watch how you move in general, man. Show respect to people. Uh, be very aware of your surroundings. I've always been like that. No matter what kind of car I drove, no matter what, where I was at, doesn't matter. Great neighborhood, bad neighborhood, great people, bad people, uh, night, day, whatever. Just move smart. And if you can carry, definitely carry because, uh, you know, tote that thing when you cut, clack. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, yeah, man, the fact that that pushed French Montana from helping. That's stupid, man. Uh, do your thing, man, because whatever God has planned for you is going to happen regardless. Obviously, just move in a smarter way, though. Uh, continuing on, speaking of French Montana, his dog attacked somebody, and uh, he wants $2.3 million for that attack. So let's go over the article. French Montana might have to cough up a few million dollars to compensate a former employee who claims to have been viciously attacked by the rapper's dog a few years ago. On Wednesday, February 21st, Rolling Stone reported that a Los Angeles landscaper named Jason Leva is asking for $2.3 million default judgment for the injuries, trauma, and expenses stemming from an alleged attack in 2019 by the New York MC's Tibetan Mountain Dog. More specifically, he's seeking $1.5 million for physical agony, $10,000 for medical bills, and $350,000 for future expenses. Future expenses? Anyways, uh, because the unforgettable hitmaker has apparently not responded to the plaintiff's attempts at serving the complaint, a judge has now set the date for March 25th to consider the above demand. Uh, I entered the premises, and without warning or provocation, the dog mauled and bit me, tearing at my shoulder and hip, causing severe injuries which required stitches and injured my lumbar spine. Levi said in court statement, I am in constant intractable pain when bending, standing, or sitting for long periods of time. He continued, because of this chronic pain in my back and uh, shoulder from which I, because of this chronic pain in my back and should from which I have 
unable to get relief. It's supposed to be shoulder versus should. Uh, I'm seeking further medical uh, consultations to find out if I may be a candidate for lumbar or shoulder surgery. If I am not, I'm afraid that I will suffer for severe intolerable pain for the rest of my life. Yeah. Um, wild, though, like two years back, the French Montana was taken to court by a different employee for the same reason. Damn, this dog is costing French Montana a lot of money, man. Train your fucking dog properly. And that's probably not French's fault because he's busy sipping French vanilla lattes and pretending like he's a good rapper. So uh, that's probably not his fault. It's probably the trainers. He needs to hire some trainers, train his uh, dog I'm sure his dog doesn't listen to him because he's such a horrible rapper that, I mean, how can the dog listen to him? Come on, man. Anything that comes out of French Montana's mouth makes no sense when it comes to music. So, um, poor dog. I said, deal with hearing French Montana's music all day. I feel bad. That dog should sue French because that's why he's attacking people. Let's be honest here. He's attacking people because of all the stress, all every day having to hear Frenchy Montana's music. Come on, man. That would make any sane person go insane. Come on, guys. French, let that dog be free, man. Let him let him get out of there. He's, he's showing clear signs of mental illness from listening to your music. He's, he's losing his mind. Let that dog be free, man. He's going to keep costing you money like this. Damn it, Frenchie. Mac and Doodle Cheese 5 is out right now, Frenchie. I think it's 5. Is it 6, 7? I don't know which one, man. He's got so many garbage projects. I can't. I can't. I don't remember which one it is. Uh, Kanye West, man. Speaking of Kanye earlier, Kanye is dealing with his own lawsuit. So let's go over it. Kanye West, Kanye West's leaked anti-Semitic rant made it on the set of Fox News' Tucker Carlson tonight. Uh, that has led to a man being indicted. Tim Burke, a freelance journalist, was indicted on more than a dozen charges after the FBI searched his home and seized his computers. Burke was charged with one count of conspiracy, six counts of accessing a computer without authorization, and seven counts of intercepting or disclosing wire or oral or electronic communications through the indictment does not though the indictment does not mention fox news west or carlson by name it accuses burke of hacking computers owned by a multinational media company headquartered in new york city uh, the tampa bay times confirmed that the charges relate to the footage of west and carlson that leaked in october 2022 the leaked footage was an was of an unaired interview segments between West and Carlton, in which the rapper made a number of anti-Semitic comments and spread conspiracy theories that Jewish people control the economy. Now, the reason why I want to talk about this is I've actually gone through something like this, where somebody's secretly recording things in an enclosed environment. I'm not going to say what it is, what's, what, what the situation is, but it was very, uh, very secretive information. And in New York, I don't know where this was at. I think it was New York. Um, I could be wrong, but I believe it was New York. Yeah, New York City. So in New York, the law in New York is you cannot secretly record somebody without their, you know, and that's the law pretty much all over America, but in New York, it's fairly strict. It's a felony. You know, felonies are no joke. So if, if somebody records something privately that we were supposed to do privately, no cameras are supposed to be on, somebody secretly records it and puts it out, this is what happens. So uh, that, that actually happened to me in a situation. I'm not going to mention it. I'm not going to mention who. Uh, the person was fired off my team promptly once I found out. Um, but if, the pers if this person decides to leak whatever that person wants to leak, I have my lawyers ready. They're going to be on his ass like a pound of fucking hyenas, bro. I'm not even playing because that, that shit affects things not for me, because I didn't do anything wrong or say anything wrong, but the, the stuff that was going around at that time, 
was private information, private stuff playing, private stuff people you know mentioning. So I'm not gonna get into too much stuff, but uh, this happened a couple of years ago. So uh, yeah, we'll we'll I'm gonna keep my eye on this just to see what happens. But yeah, we'll keep our eye on this. Continue along with Kanye. This is great news, and this is why I applaud Kanye for going independent when releasing his album Vultures. Because this is a crazy statistic that Billboard released and compared to other albums. So let's go over the article. Kanye West and Ty Dolla Sign's uh, Vultures saw seven figures in revenue from just its first week. Uh, Billboard did a numbers breakdown in a piece published on Wednesday, February 21st. As previously reported, the album released independently through the distribution company Label Engine, which advertises that clients get 82.5% of the revenue. Way more than a major label, by the way. Uh, which, with artists of this stature, it's likely they worked out an even higher number in the realm of 95%. Imagine you as an artist actually owning 95%. Why is this not for every, why isn't every artist following this? Why isn't, and I know I, I said this on Twitter, right? I said, hey, you know, what Kanye is doing independently, it's amazing. Everybody should be doing it. And somebody hit me with, you know, but Kanye has the money to do it. I'm not saying some fucking random Joe Schmo or some low selling artist, no disrespect to those people, Joe Schmoes, shout out to Joe Schmoes. But I'm talking about Kanye level. I'm talking about Drake level. I'm talking Eminem level. I'm talking Jay-Z level. I'm talking these guys who are multi-millionaires that can easily do things independently to set the standard. And then through that, they can fight for smaller artists that go independently so that they get a fair share of stuff and they get proper promotion. Because here's the thing. When these artists leave these major record labels, what's going to happen is these labels are going to have to adjust. They're going to be like, fuck, now there's no value. We're not providing that value. How can we provide a value? Well, we can promote your product now, which labels don't really promote anymore, man. Come on, guys. When, when it comes to, oh, you sign to a major label because they're going to push your shit out more. Yeah, you might get something here and there, but they're like, it's not that, that, that major as, as it once was. An independent artist now can promote just as well as a label. Damn near better sometimes. Tom McDonald, whatever that guy's name, who did this song with Ben Shearer or whatever, McDonald, whatever his name is, independent. But he's pushing his shit, and he's publicly known. Millions and millions, owns all of his stuff. I mean, that's the route to go. But it takes time, and if labels, if all these major artists leave these labels and decide, you know, hey, we're going independent, these major labels then got to adjust, and they'll start giving more percentages. They'll start promoting better. They'll start hiring more people to do more proper things. But uh, that's not going to happen until, like, more artists do this. So salute to Kanye. Continuing the article, with that said, Vultures did 169 million on-demand streams in a week, uh, in week one, which equates to around 892,000 plus approximately 145,000 from actual sales. Uh, that doesn't even factor in global streams and publishing. So the magazine estimates the pair have generated well over a million dollars already. Now, you're like, oh, what's a million dollars to Kanye? He's a, you know, worth 400 million, damn near billionaire, was a billionaire, it doesn't matter. It's not about that. It's about... This album, they own this album. They own the publishing. They own all this stuff. You know, granted, some songs are going to have portions mixed with because of samples and stuff. But a lot of this they own. A lot of it. So it's going to stack up over time to the point where they're, this album is going to make, if people keep bumping it and keep listening to it, it's still part of the culture and people still fuck with it. There's going to be a 
portion and a time where this album makes more than his albums that were released that are classics because they labels own more of them. Um, continuing on, what's more impressive is that the album didn't even have a full week to do these numbers. As it arrived on Saturday instead of the traditional Friday, in addition, it was met with multiple hiccups, which we know uh, songs getting removed, album getting removed, replaced, removed. Um, and then the album was temporarily, uh, let's see. Uh, yeah, so it just talks about all those things. And then Billboard made like a comparison. I don't know if they have the article. Um, let's see. I can't find it on here, but basically Billboard made this comparison. Let me see if I can go on the actual Billboard article and see. Um, close to more than you can give it. Contrast this with the situation West faced at the start of his career in a major label system. Uh, images of old contracts tweeted in 2020 indicate that he that when he made college dropout, he earned 14 percent royalty on albums sold, as in in the U.S. as is typical in a royalty deal. West's old contract notes that no royalty shall be due and payable until such time as all advances have been recouped. The recoupment comes out of an artist's share, meaning that measly 14% rate has to do all the lift, heavy lifting to earn the advances back. So 14% of his classics is what he owns in terms of revenue. And that's after he recouped everything. So he has to make the money back that he spent on the album. After he finally makes the money back, then he gets 14%. That's nothing compared to 90, 95, 85, 80. Like that's a huge difference. Uh, and theoretical example, if, if West was in this deal and had just $1 million in recoupable expenses, such as an advance associated with the album, which would be low for him, historically speaking, that release would need to generate more than $7 million in total sales income for him to recoup and start earning money from his music going forward. See? If he was stuck in that same deal, $1 million, let's just say he got an advance for an album, which obviously Kanye's albums cost a lot more than $1 million to make. Let's just say it's a million. It would take up to $7 million, $7 million to finally recoup the money. That is just robbery. I can't find the, 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 the breakdown, the more breakdown of the sales and stuff, but uh, basically, you know, independence is the route to go, especially for artists at this level. Uh, I can't wait to see what Vultures 2 does in terms of sales and, you know, impact and all that stuff because Timbaland tweeted out that it's on the way, so we'll keep our eye out for that. Um Speaking of new music, Frenchie Vanilla dropped, like I said, Mac and Doodoo Cheese 5. Uh, Lil Durk dropped a song called Old Ways, which is dope. Uh, Quavo dropped Himothy. Central C dropped I Will. Dog dropped Going to the Top. Saweetie dropped uh, Right Tivities. Uh, Kid Cudi dropped the Insano Deluxe version. Young Thug, Strick, and James Blake dropped Kisses Make Sure. Cassie Veggies dropped Nostalgia Album, his album. And uh, Uncle Murder dropped the story of Lenny Grant. So check that album out, G-Unit release. I was supposed to go live to react to it, but my shit is like acting up. I still keep having that issue where it freezes because I've been doing test runs, but I've been trying to change things up. So we'll see. We'll figure out by, by March 8th. Promise you guys I'll figure this out. Album sales. So this is the confusing part to me. Uh, hits Daily Double, which is where I normally go for album sales. Reports that Kanye's and Ty Dolla Sign's albums number two. They report Yeet as number one. So yes, Yeet dropped his album in 2093. And let's go over the Hits Daily Double, and then I want to talk about the Billboard, what they're saying. I don't know what the difference is. I don't know why Billboard and Hits Daily Double have different stuff. So Yeet on Hits Daily Double is number one at 72,597 copies. 
Now, it is such a close race that it's ridiculous. It's like by 150 copies is the difference here. Uh, Kanye West and Ty Dolla Sign's Vultures 1 is at number 2 with 72,418 copies. So not much of a difference. We're talking like 100, 160, 170 copy difference in terms of hits daily double. So going on Billboard, though, Billboard said Kanye is number one. It said Kanye West and Ty Dolla Sign's Vultures 1 spends second week atop Billboard 200. Uh, Ye, formerly known as Kanye West and Ty Dolla Sign's collaborative album, spends the second week at top 200, earning 75,000 equivalent album sales in its second week in U.S., which is down 15, uh, 50% according to Luminate. Uh, Vultures 1 is Ye's first album to spend multiple weeks at number one since 2011's Watch the Throne. So it's been a minute. Um, yeah, apparently then Yeet's album debuted at number two with, let's see... How much did he do? He did 72,000. I think. No, it said 70,000 equivalent. So I don't know. They got the numbers weird here. Hits Daily Double got like, like, like on the T in terms of sales. They say Kanye's did 75,000. Yeats did 70, 70 to 72. So I don't know. I don't know if you guys want to go by Hits Daily Double or Billboard. Billboard's obviously more credible, and it's going to be, you know, in history as number one. So I'm going with Billboard on this one. I don't know why Hits Daily Double has it a little bit different. Uh, very interesting. But uh, continuing on on the charts, Morgan Wall is number three at One Thing at a Time with 64,000. Noah Khan Stick Season is number four with 58,000. SZA SOS at number five with 46,000. Taylor Swift 1989 is at number six with 45,000. Taylor Swift Lovers at number seven with 44,000. Drake for All the Dogs at number eight with 43,000. Taylor Swift Men Nights is at nine with 40,000. 21 Savage American Dream is at number 10 with 37,000. Continuing on, Travis Scott's at number 14 with Utopia at 32,000. And Drake Take Care is at number 27 with 21,000. Nicki Minaj's Pink Friday is at number 32 with 20,000. Metro Boomin Heroes and Villains at number 36 with 19,000. Eminem Curtain Call is at number 39 with 18,000. Lil Baby My Turn is at number 43 with 17,000. Usher. Coming home, which was number two last week, dropped all the way down to 44 at 17,000. And then a bunch of Post Malone. The Diamond Collection, number 47, 17,000. Post Malone, Hollywood's Bleeding, number 49, 16,000, which I don't really normally read, but that's the sales on those albums. So yeah, Kanye scored uh, second week at number one. So shout out to Kanye, all independently, by the way. You know, even though Kanye's name is big, that's what I'm saying. Go independent, guys, uh, if you're at that level. Please, if somehow Drake or Eminem or any of these big artists are watching this, the chances are 0.001%. If you are, go independent, man. Set more of an example like Kanye did. And that's it for today's episode of the Diverse Mentality Podcast. Support our Season 4 sponsor, please. Go to drinkgoldeneagle.com forward slash DMP. Get yourself a 24-pack of the energy drink. Support them. You support them. You're supporting me. So thank you guys so much. Spotify, Deezer, Pocket Cast, YouTube, all that. Watch it, share it, like it, and have an amazing night, day, whenever you're listening to this, and peace.